today's guest is a returning guest. You may remember several years ago, I shared the audio of a few YouTube videos of a young 15-year-old girl who was in the hospital, and she asked, why does everything beep? She also shared her innocent yet spot-on monologue where she expressed her annoyance at how she was being treated as a patient, a young patient especially. Well, that video went viral and the rest is history. So who is my special friend? She is Morgan Gleason. Morgan is now a senior at Auburn University. And after being diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease called juvenile dermatomyositis at age 11, Morgan began making YouTube videos that went viral. And she now advocates for patients across the country and shares her journey by speaking at conferences and writing a blog. And she plans to work in patient experience after she graduates in May of this year, 2020. And yay for me, she is also a contributor to my upcoming charity patient safety anthology titled Highway to Heart, Humor and Honesty in Healthcare due to be published late spring and early summer. And for me to say that it's an honor and a joy to talk with her and share her with you today is an understatement. So let's get going. Welcome back to the show, Morgan. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I love having you here. We could do this every day if you didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I know we could spend our time catching up on school and horses. Do you still have a horse? I do, yes. I still um, I still ride. Is it Riley? Yes, it is. But not as much anymore because college has gotten kind of busy. I still lo do love doing that. Oh, good. Well, hopefully when you graduate, you'll have more horse time. How's that? <laughs> Hopefully. So yeah, we can chat about all these things, but I so value your perspective on healthcare today. So I want to get started and lay the framework of why patient safety and the patient experience are important to you. Just give us a peek into your healthcare journey thus far. Like you said, I have actually three autoimmune diseases, um, juvenile dermatomyositis, rheumatoid arthritis, and ulcerative colitis. And so I was diagnosed with that when I was 11, actually. Um, so it's been about 10 years now of me dealing with the um, healthcare system and everything. And it was definitely a shock when I was younger because I knew absolutely nothing about the healthcare system. Like my only experience with it was to go to the doctor, get an antibiotic and feel better in a couple of days. So when I was kind of thrown into this, this whole thing, I started to realize how unpatient-centered everything was. And it was a huge shock to me. And I just, I experienced a lot of little things that seemed off to me. Like the doctors would always come into the room and talk to my mom instead of actually saying, like ever saying a word to me first, things like that. I get two infusions every month. And so I'm kind of in and out of the hospital all the time and, you know, going to different doctors. And so I have a lot of um, bad experiences with the healthcare system, but also some good ones too. And actually, you taught me something when I interviewed you many years ago when you said how the doctors speak to your mom and not to you. And at the same time, I was advocating for my mom, who was an, obviously an elderly woman, and I found myself doing the same thing as a parent. My The doctor would come in, look mm -hmm. at me, and I'm talking to the doctor, and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to learn from Morgan. And so I used to then, after our conversation, I would go in and not say anything. And if the doctor would look at me, I, I would say, you know what? She's the patient. You could talk to her. Right. And then when my mom had a couple times where she didn't have the answers, then they could look to me. So that's a very valuable lesson, Morgan, not just for children, but for anybody going with an adult patient as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's definitely a huge thing because that, that's definitely something, I mean, that just kind of shows just how unpatient-centered everything is. And 
So I, I started doing the same thing where I'd be like, hey, mom, can you please not say anything? Um, I'm going to start. I need to start being able to learn. I mean, after I got past a certain age, obviously when I was 11, I couldn't really handle much of my own care. But even now, if I ever, I mean, I started going to all of my doctor's appointments alone um, now that I live seven hours away from home. Mm-hmm. Even now, if she were, if she does come to an appointment with me or something, they still sometimes look at her and it, it's really frustrating. But very valuable what we're saying, because maybe now anyone who's listening, if they're going on a doctor visit with an older child or a younger person, maybe both could have that conversation before they walk in and say, hey, mom or dad or grandma or whoever, I'm going to do the speaking unless I don't know the answers and maybe make that agreement ahead of time. It should be a parent-child conversation maybe before the doctor appointment. So I think that's a very valuable piece of information. Thank you. I'm glad we shared this. Now, in one of your videos, you said, and it's actually the tagline of your blog, I am the patient and I need to be heard. Have things changed since you made that initial plea? They have to an extent, but I I believe more so because I'm able to um, demand more what I want now instead of just kind of being pushed around by, well, that sounds bad being pushed around, but with doctors and nurses, they, you know, they went to school and they always think that they know absolutely everything and then occasionally don't really try to listen to what the patient is saying. And I think it should always be a collaboration between any healthcare professional and the patient to kind of work to make a plan and a healthcare plan and medical treatment plan that works best for the patient um, because they're the one that's going to have to live whatever treatment. So, for example, when I went to college, I was having to take an injection once a week. And once I got to college at my doctor, kind of, we had that discussion. We were like, hey, maybe you don't want to do that going into college. So I wonder if there's a different kind of drug that we can work together to find that will still help you, but, you know, might won't have that weekly burden of having to give an injection every week. And so I really appreciated that, the fact that he, he was thinking about that and kind of took my lifestyle, my opinions and thoughts into account when making a treatment plan. And you alluded to it right at the very beginning of the answer to this question where you said, well, initially when you were a younger child, you couldn't have a voice. But as you got older, you did. And one of the reasons why you did is because you knew about your medical diagnosis. And I've been thinking today that having a voice and having it heard are actually two different things. I want to put a little onus here on the patient because you say, I am the patient and I need to be heard. And as I was thinking about that, I thought that really means that we have two jobs here. One is a job for the patient and one is for the provider. And I want to get your thoughts on this. The first is to empower patients to become educated about their own health because that has to be first because if you don't know what you're talking about, well, then having a voice is not helpful. But once you have some knowledge, then you can use that information to give rise to speaking up. That's the first job. And the second is to create spaces and cultures where the patient's voice is not only accepted, but it's desired and it's overtly called upon. What are your thoughts on these two jobs? No, I mean, I think that's spot on, especially when I was younger. I hadn't been taught how to be a patient necessarily. Um, Like one of my things that I always say is doctors go to medical school. If you have doctors, the patients don't get to go to a patient school. Um, Like nobody is taught how to become a patient. You're kind of just thrown into the healthcare system whenever you have like a medical crisis or something. And then you're kind of told, well, figure it out. This is how things are done. I think that's a really wrong way of going about things. Um, I think there's, there definitely needs to be education on 
what is right because I think a lot of people see doctors and nurses, et cetera, as kind of authority figures that you can't really question or, you know, have like a conversation with. But a lot of people see, oh, you go to the doctor, you do what they tell you. And I mean, you should follow their medical advice, obviously, but you're also allowed to have an opinion and a voice. And I think that's really important. Um, and also, I do think it's really important that, like you were talking about, the second job is for there to be space to be created to where that's encouraged and allowed. Because a lot of times, especially when I was younger, uh, I would try to say something and then I'd get shot down or they'd, they'd ignore me. So I've definitely had to learn over the years about how to speak up and make sure that I'm heard. Oh, it shouldn't have to be that way. You are the patient and you know yourself better. You might not be a doctor right. and know their treatments, but you do know yourself better. And, and an Institute of Medicine report stated, prepared, engaged patients are a fundamental precursor to high quality care, lower costs, and better health. And I don't think anyone could disagree with that. No, no, that's spot on. Again, I do think this is something that the healthcare system needs to start to place a bigger emphasis on because literally nobody knows how to be a patient until it's, you know, some big crisis. And at that point, it's a little bit too late to figure out. Yeah, exactly. And I say that all the time. You need to be prepared because nobody plans an emergency hospital visit. And by that time, you can't study up. So it's something to think about ahead of time. So let's break down the three requests of the title of this book, Heart, Humor, and Honesty. And let's begin with heart. When you think of heart within healthcare, where does that take you? That makes me think more of that there needs to be empathy. There needs to be more empathy in healthcare because I think a lot of medical professionals, that's, I mean, that's their job, but as a patient, it's my life. I think that that definitely needs to have a bigger emphasis because, I mean, I think a lot of doctors and nurses get desensitized to certain things after a while if you see it every single day. I think there needs to be a bigger focus on kind of bringing the human back into healthcare. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's different than when dealing with young patients, too. Right. Pediatrics, I think, uh, kind of has a bigger emphasis on that because pretty well-known kids get scared. And so I think there's a bigger focus on making making it more comfort- comfortable for kids. Um, but I think some of that is kind of lost once you transition into adult care. Um, I'm sure you've seen that, too. Yeah, I have. I, I mean, I, I transitioned up when I went to college in the first place so about four years ago now, but um, it was definitely a shock. I mean, I had to start doing the pediatric to adult transition even way before I even left for college. I like Kind of like what we were talking about, I had to learn how to speak up for myself and have a voice. What about humor? Most people don't associate humor with health care, or does it simply not belong? I think having a little bit of humor is it's important. A lot of people cope with difficult things with a little bit of humor. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all, but I mean, obviously not in inappropriate situations, maybe in, maybe in different circumstances. This has been a rough one for us to tackle within this book. Nobody's really touching the humor side, and I actually kind of find that interesting as well. I understand that there's inappropriate humor, and I'm not talking about that or off-color jokes or clowns running up right. and down and, you know, honking horns and things, but I guess I'm finding it a little... Uh, fascinating that not many people are touching the humor aspect. So uh, I guess that's telling. No, I mean, I do think it's important. Like I, you know, I always kind of make jokes about certain things, you know, like I I kind of do it more in like a sarcastic way. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, you know, I take 21 pills a day and I, you know, have to deal with all of that stuff. Isn't that really fun? Don't you wish you were me or something like that? Like, I mean, I, I make jokes like that, but no, I think, I think it's important to have that, have a little bit of that. Well, actually, what you're saying is because maybe humor begins with the patient, 
because I don't think a healthcare provider is going to come in and use humor because some people may take it in the wrong way. But I would think if a provider, a doctor, a nurse comes in and the patient is being funny or says things, as you say, a little sarcastically, well, then that's their cue that, okay, this person gets it. Maybe we could lighten up the relationship a little bit. So right. maybe again, we've got no, to. I, think, I yeah. think that's important. Yep. Yep. We'll put that responsibility on the patient too. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think everything seems to fall on the patient. <laughs> Why not add a little right. humor to it? Oh my gosh. A little bit more. Yep. All right. What about honesty? What comes to mind when we ask for honesty in healthcare? Besides the obvious, you know, you want to be able to trust your your healthcare team and everything. I think that's really important. Obviously, being able to you know, have a solid, trusting relationship with them, even the other way around, but from both sides, kind of the doctor trusts the patient is being honest, and the patient trusts the doctor is being honest with them. Um, I think both those things are critical. And again, I think we have to look to the patient. Somebody told me the other day, some a nurse told me the other day, that often it takes a patient three times, three requests before they actually say why they came for the doctor's appointment, which just astounded me. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are maybe scared they won't be listened to in the first place, so they might not want to say anything at all. I mean, I, I definitely know that I've I've experienced that before, especially when I was younger. I kind of went through a phase where I was like, oh, well, I mean, nothing's really going to change. Nothing's going to happen differently. So why would I even bother speaking up or going to the doctor? I mean, that was, I mean, angsty teen phase, I guess. But um, I, that, that, thought, that thought has definitely crossed my mind a couple of times. Just kind of like the pattern so far has been that I haven't been listened to or understood. So what what is one more time like really going to do for me? Interesting and sad. So we need to think about honesty again all the way around from both sides. Now, Morgan, you plan to continue your work after graduation to fine-tune the patient experience. If you were running for president of patient safety, what issues would you run on? (laughs) I don't want to keep rehashing this, but making sure that the patient is heard and, um, I mean, kind of, I guess, just really teaching people how to become patients. Another thing that I also think is really important is, and that I know is a huge topic that's being talked about a lot in healthcare right now, is being able to have access to my own medical records and be in control of my information. I think that that, that helps me feel like I have more control over a situation um, is when I'm able to see all of my information and see what the doctors are seeing. Um, and I know that's huge going on right now, but I, I think that's really important and very essential to having a good relationship between providers and patients and also feeling more in control over a scary situation. With the advent of the patient portals, has that um, helped Although you? I will say with patient portals, I haven't had the best experience with them. I have 23 different patient portals right now oh. and um, through all of my different doctors over the years, and they all have different information, different login information different passwords, usernames, site addresses, et cetera. And then even if I am able to figure out which which uh, login is for which patient portal, it often has missing or wrong information. Like one time I, I actually logged into my patient portal expecting to be able to see all of my information and actually didn't have any of my diagnoses or test results in it and said that I had diabetes, which I do not have diabetes. Um, and that kind of was a pain to sort out over um, the next couple of years, that one's still kind of haunting me because, you know, that gets sent to a different doctor and then they write down that I have diabetes and that's not actually true. So that's another reason why I really like to be able to see what's actually in there and see what they actually have because I can fix really important, really crucial medical errors mm-hmm. by being able to do that. 
Okay, so yeah, I'm talking about looking at one patient portal. You're talking about coordinating 23, and that is quite a different task and a job, yeah. and I get that. And as you mentioned, though, it's a great thing, though, that you can at least see that they have an incorrect diagnosis of diabetes, because if you didn't know that, you might go to an emergency situation and people think you're right. diabetic, and there you go. You don't even have yeah, that no, opportunity. I, I started getting doctors ask, like asking me what my blood sugar was, yeah. and I was like, oh, um, I have no idea. That's not really um, something I keep track of. And they're like, what? Like, how do you... And then that's when I realized, actually. The same thing happened to my mom. I think she had a hospital-induced diabetes for a minute when she was in the hospital for four months. But then that haunted her. She had a diabetes diagnosis for the rest of her life. And we had to fight that. Uh, and it took forever. But at least we knew that. So that's the plus there. So what's the solution outside of a patient portal? How else can patients access and get current and accurate uh, information. That's a really huge issue right now is um, there's not really an easy solution to that at all. Like there's really no easy way for a patient to be able to get all of their medical information into one compact record. So I mean right now what you kind of have to do is you have to request the medical records which a lot of doctors don't like giving out for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but they don't like giving that out. And then even if you do get them to want to send them to you, it's often done through um, fax, which hardly anybody has anymore, or you have to actually go in person to pick them up. Sometimes you have to pay for them. There's just kind of like a huge space there that needs a lot of improvement, I think. Absolutely. I mean, and, and sometimes you request it and it takes weeks. And then mm -hmm. as you say, a fax, well, First of all, not many people use that. Secondly, you can hardly read that. So it's just not user-friendly, and it's your data. It's like taking your clothes and saying you can't have them. Right. I mean, it's your data. You should. Why? Why? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's literally all of my my medical information, all of my diagnoses, all of my medications, all of my test results, and I should be able to look at them mm -hmm. in an easy way. I think that that's a huge emphasis because now I could look at them, but it, it may take, like you said, weeks, and it may come in an inconvenient form, and it's... It's a huge problem. We have lots that we need to solve here. So as you graduate this year, what plans do you have? What are you going to do in the patient experience world? I, I'm still trying to figure that out exactly. Um, I don't have any set in stone plans right now, but I do still want to um, obviously keep doing all of the work that I've been doing, and I'm going to keep speaking and writing a blog, doing things like that, going to different conferences. And I want to do something in patient advocacy still as well, maybe maybe a patient experience officer somewhere. I'm not sure. I'm really I'm throwing around a couple of ideas right now. Well, you don't need to know right now. You've got the world at your feet here, my friend, just based on the <laughs> experience that you've had, the way you've risen through this whole healthcare journey and become such a such a motivator for so many people and the speaking events. I just think that you're going to make some great changes here. And I'm just so proud to have followed you along and to know you and to have you here in this book. And I want folks to know how to get in touch with you. If you have any contact information or website or anything you want to share, let's, let's get that out there too. Yeah, of course. So my blog, my website is just my first and last name dot com, so morgangleason.com. And then my email address is morgangleason at gmail.com. And then I also have my Twitter, which is morgan underscore gleason as well. So it's morgangleason.com, M-O-R-G-A-N-G-L-E-A-S-O-N, morgangleason.com. Oh, 
I love that we have this chance today. I would love to talk with you more often just because you're inspiring to me. Yes, me too. I I love this. It's been too long. (laughs) I know. We'll have to do more again. So any final words before we begin to wrap up? To patients, become engaged in your healthcare and really uh, don't be passive with it, I think would be my biggest advice. Morgan Gleason, you're a blessing to so many people. Thank you for all the work that you do and for all the work you're going to do. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.